0: It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and we're broadcasting from the Morton studio. And on Farmer Friday, if this is your first Friday with us, we take your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. So if you've got a burning question on your farm right now, today is your day. Our phone lines are open at 844 44 ag And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. And honestly, if you've got a picture To describe what's going on in your field, that really helps us out. You can send it to us that way.
1: All right. Let's hit the Ag PhD mailbag right away. But uh, before we do, let me just say, Darren, if you can pull up your rootless corn question. Otherwise, I'm just going to talk about that in general. So I'll give you a little heads up there. So anyway, here's the Ag PhD mailbag.
2: It's the mailbag!
0: All right. uh, This one comes from Minnesota. We've got some rootless corn syndrome going on over here, and our original plan was to use roundup and status as a post emerge spray. However, with the rootless corn thing going on, we think it'd be a good idea to stay away from status. So I'm curious what would what would we be able to use? Our crop rotation includes cabbage, onions, carrots, and some vegetable crops <laughs> too. Uh, so that that does make it a little bit of a challenge, and we have a lot of lamb's quarters purslane, Hemp, nightshade, and large ragweeds. Okay, let me start with this. What
1: is rootless corn syndrome? Well, it's something we do not see very often at all. But if, let's say, you're real hot and the ground is bone dry, then the the roots just don't develop like they normally would. And by roots, I'm talking primarily about the nodal roots. So in a corn plant, here's what happens. Corn seed germinates. You've got the radical and the seminal roots will come right out of the corn seed. Okay? They're going down. So you usually plant your corn a couple inches deep. Those roots start at the seed. They go down. Those are not the main root system or systems of the corn plant. The main root system of the corn plant, what brings in the, the majority of the water and nutrients, actually the vast majority, is called the nodal root system. For each, well, at each of the first leaf collars, so at each of the first five stages of corn, so when you look up above, if you're at V1, you're going to have one ring of nodal roots. By the time you get to V5, you'll have five rings of nodal roots. They're all going to develop in the top three quarters of an inch of soil. Okay, so I don't care if you planted your corn at an inch and a half deep, two and a half, three and a half, doesn't matter your nodal roots are going to all start within that top three-quarters of an inch. Okay, Then, obviously, they're going to go down. A lot of times it's a 45-degree angle. But anyway, they are there to pull in lots of water and nutrients and also to stabilize the plant. Well, what's been happening this year, and we've seen this especially over in central South Dakota where they've been really dry and hot, uh, like abnormally hot, like 20 degrees hotter than normal almost every day for three weeks now, Anyway, um, we're seeing the nodal roots there, but there aren't the root hairs like normal. There isn't the development of those nodal roots like normal. And you can read all kinds of information about this online. And what you're basically going to find is your best bet is just to pray for rain. So if you have irrigation, by all means, you want that on. Because some people go, well, I want the roots to go down, so I'm not going to irrigate. No, 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 no. I don't care even if you're at V1. If you're bone dry, you start that pivot or you get that irrigation running right away. I'm not saying you have to put lots on, but you got to get the soil at least moist, moist enough so those nodal roots can develop. So anyway... This rootless corn thing, uh, we've had a number of agronomists calling in saying, look, we're not seeing any differences with seed variety, with tillage type, with uh, even seed treatment and uh, fertilizer in furrow. I mean, the biggest thing is just, hey, the areas that are having the most problem, they're the areas that are really super dry. Okay, so over in Minnesota and like where this question came in from, um, that area is not super dry. So that makes me think, because what rootless corn syndrome looks like a little bit is old trifluralin carryover back when we used to use real high rates of trifluralin. Anymore, most everybody uses a lower rate in their soybeans. But if they had a carryover issue from the prior year, that trifluralin will do what we called bottle brushing uh, those roots. So they kind of swell up. They don't get a lot of a lot of uh, uh, hairs on the 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 root and it's just it just it really looks weird and abnormal. So I, I'm i questioning if this is truly that issue or what's going on. The other time we see this is if somebody plants real shell. Let's say you plant it an inch deep. Okay I don't call that rootless corn syndrome, I call that a mistake. And now you forced your yes. corn roots above the ground. Well, and, and Go just, cultivate and I know you don't want to, but I don't care. Go do it and hill it up so your corn plant thinks it's now planted at two and a half inches I've deep. I've run into several
0: of these, Brian, where, well, what what's described to me the rootless corn syndrome? Well, it's, it's in certain rows just no. for small no. stretches. No. no, that's a planter issue. Yeah. You had something okay. going on with the planter.
1: Alright, so anyway, back to his question. Uh, Number one, I'm not worried about status too much anyway. If you have roots above the ground, you don't have rootless corn syndrome. You have shallow planting and that's a whole different deal. If you have shallow planting, go hill up the the dirt and then you can do whatever you want. But otherwise, yes, if you want to try to avoid any form of dicamba, that's probably a good idea. If you're avoiding HPPDs because you're worried about carryover to all these uh, other crops, then you're left with bucktrel and tough. Tough's a little more expensive, but it's better on water hemp. Both are really good on lamb's quarters, ragweed, and some of the other weeds you mentioned. Alright, got time for one more quick one here, Darren.
0: Alright, this one, is Matt, Northwest Indiana. He said, I found Megagrow sprayed early post on corn has been giving me a 6-8 to eight bushel increase, so I've been doing it as a standard practice. Now this year my plan was to spray Anthem Max, Glyphosate, and Megagrow this week. My corn's at V3, but we're dry and it's supposed to be hot and dry all week. Uh, we're under some stress. Should I wait to spray my MegaGrow till no. my second pass or no. do it now? Do it now. It's exactly when you want to do
1: it. And by the way, the Anthem Max, I don't like it in corn post-emerge unless you're dry. If you're not dry and there's dew on the leaves, you can have some serious leaf burn there, sometimes even rolling the, the plant up. So I'm actually fine with it. I think you're going to be okay. And anytime you're spraying Roundup, throw MegaGrow in. It's a patented safener for Roundup and plant growth hormones. Stay tuned. Be right back.
2: The weeds are coming! Hey! I'll repair! This whole midnight ride thing is getting real. The HPPD resistant weeds are coming. We've got verdict herbicide. Verdict herbicide? Yeah, it's a non HPPD corn pre herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to verdict herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! there's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions.
0: At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Oregon. we got Jason on with us right now. How's it going, Jason? It's going really good. How are you guys doing? We're dry. We're dry, Jason. I don't want to be a broken record here, but man, we could use some moisture. How are you guys hanging in there?
3: Yeah, I'm right with you. So all that wet we all had through the winter and and late winter was coming through here on its way to you, and then it just shut off, right? Yep. So so now I'm I'm in the process now and trying to fire up an irrigation system that hasn't been used in a couple of years. So you can imagine how that's going for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I I absolutely can. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, what do you do? I mean, you just kind of make do with what you got. The year is what it is. So how how are the crops yep. hanging in there? I mean, is stuff doing okay so far if you just get a little water to it? Yeah, I
3: think so. It it was uh, it didn't look real good for a while this spring because it was really wet. And then, you know, it just shut off and, and things really started drying out. So uh, our winter crops, you know, that were planted last fall or, or our perennials, uh, really struggled because it was really dry last fall too. And, and, uh, so they, a lot of them set their, their seed potential in the fall. So I'm not sure how they're going to do. Um, and then as far as spring crops go, normally we're out there late February, early March, getting things planted. And it was just so wet until the end of April. Uh, a lot of it, we, we really had to mud it in. I, I knew better, but if we don't get it in, then we're, we're facing rain on the back end during harvest, and that's no good. So a lot of that just got going when it dried out. It's really struggling now, um, so I'm trying to get the irrigation on it, especially since some of it, uh, like like my daikon radishes, getting ready to bolt. I need to get the last shot of nitrogen on, but no moisture. That's not any good. So that's where I'm at.
0: How, just out of curiosity, and and we've raised. Uh, we've actually had some daikon radishes in a cover crop mix here. And so thank you mm-hmm. for raising that seed. We appreciate that. Um, sure. How much nitrogen do radishes really take? So
3: I, I generally, I put a little bit on in a pre-plant blend just to kind of get things going, but mostly it's P and K. Um, and then I'll, I'll put sometime before bolting about another hundred units on to really kick it in the pants for the seed.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, one of the things that we're doing with cover crop is is utilizing it in fields that we're going to be applying manure in the fall. And our thought is mm-hmm. getting a growing crop out there, we can tie up some of those nutrients, hold them in our field and not have to worry about losing them in the spring. And that way we can get our manure spread in the fall when it's typically in our country, it's typically dry in the fall. So it works out pretty good. And a lot of times the spring with snow melt and everything else, can be wet. So yeah, just kind of right. interesting. Everybody using cover crops a little different way. We'll keep using them Yeah, we'll keep growing seed for you. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Jason, good luck to you guys. Uh, Hopefully hopefully it goes okay with the irrigation system. Hopefully you don't have too many surprises and hopefully it just rains. That'd be even better Yeah,
3: I know, right? That'd be great, except now I'm looking at harvest in a couple, three weeks. So uh, some in between now and then would be awesome, but I think I'll work on the irrigation. You bet. Well,
0: good luck to you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Let's head out to Georgia. Got Sam on with us right now. How's it going, Sam? Uh, We're doing well. How about y'all? Good, good. Sounds like you're out in the tractor right now.
4: Yeah, I'm uh, trying to wrap peanut planting up, and then I'm going to get back on cotton, maybe be through with it by Monday or so.
0: There you go. There you go. I know our our experience raising cotton in South Dakota is it almost can't get warm enough for cotton to get off to a good start here. I'm betting that isn't as much of a problem in Georgia, where it's supposed to be grown.
4: That's right. Of course, we got cooler temperatures down here and wetter than normal for May, and um, we we had some planting delays about for the last two weeks, but we're back in the field. We'll get it wrapped up.
0: Yeah, it's hard to turn down rain almost any time, I guess. So getting yep. some moisture out there yes, is not not all bad.
4: That's exactly right.
0: So I hear the crops are looking quite well there. What uh, what are your other mm-hmm. crops looking like?
4: They look well. Um, like I said, we we planted cotton earlier, and um, it's it's looking good. and um, we started on we jumped back to peanuts so we could get those planted in a timely fashion and then the corn it looks really good down here some people already have roasting ears. we're a little bit later it's not quite tasseling yet
0: but it's it's looking good awesome awesome hey talk to us about the peanuts that you're putting in the ground what population do you like what kind of spacing do you like to see
4: um six to seven feet per foot although while we're speaking the candidate is is sitting here with me We're doing a seed rate trial. We're doing a six, eight, and ten seed per foot.
0: Excellent, excellent. What do you expect? What do you expect to win in that?
4: Seven. I think the ten's going to be really. Well, you're talking about 200 pounds of acre at 90 plus cent a pound, so you're talking about a lot more money. Yeah. Versus 160 pounds, so. Um. We we are gonna have a accurate study this time. We actually we did this about two weeks ago in the same place. And we got a monsoon oh, and it gosh. we had to replant it. You um, know, it came so much rain and it's from cool for about a week and a half. So we we're redoing that test plot.
0: Well, kudos to you guys for, for taking the time, making a little investment here in these strips to, to see what really pays. I, I like doing things like that, and I, I like seeing the other things in terms of, okay, what was weed control like in those spots? What what was disease control like? And, and those kinds of things. So that'll be really interesting to see how it turns out.
4: Yeah, well, it'll... I'm I'm anxious to see what the results are. I might be have been wasting money all these. It may be the five seed per foot. I don't know. <laughs> five or six seed.
0: Well, and you got to go a little crazy. So I mean, to go up from six all the way up to ten, uh, that's that's a huge increase percentage wise in population. So I, I like that. That way, you see. Okay, what if I really get crazy here? Is that going to make me money or is that going to cost me? But you know, you do it on small on a small scale on a few strips or something. It, it's no big deal. Exactly. Awesome. Well, yes, Sam, sir. good luck to you. I know you guys are busy. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you, though. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for chatting with us, and good luck. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Brand Dillon over in Iowa sent in a question. He said, "Hey guys, I'm working on a summer internship project, and." I'm working on this soil test, and I'm kind of curious, what are good part-per-million numbers I should be looking for, and what particular tests do you like to see run? Looking for phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, sulfur, and zinc specifically, but if there's others we should be looking at, please advise. Wait, Say it again, where? Okay. Uh, okay. What, what now? Say it again, where? Okay, where so this at? is Dylan over in Iowa, summer yeah, internship in Iowa summer internship project, working on some soil testing. Just kind of curious about phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, sulfur, and zinc.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. It'd be really helpful to look at the whole soil test, and then we can give you a little better idea. And here's the reason why I say this. If you have super light soil, then you can't hold nearly as much potassium as you can in a very heavy soil. And with magnesium, it's, it's a really big deal as well. When you look at calcium-magnesium, uh, and then you've got the other smaller elements in there, potassium and sodium and hydrogen— those make up what we call a base saturation test. And we like seeing the ratio of each of those. And so we're looking at ratios about as much as we're looking at parts per million when it comes to those kind of nutrients. So phosphorus, for example, I mean, a lot of times on our farm and a Malik 3 test, I like having at least a hundred, because it's going to tell you the Malik 3 is a little different than like a a weak Bray or an Olson test where those will tell you what's available today only, the Malik test tells you what's available today and what should come available during the course of the next growing season. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you might want 40 or 50 on a P1 or Olsen at a bare minimum. On a Malik 3 is a bare minimum on my farm. I want at least 100. Potassium, I'm probably usually shooting for 500 parts yeah, no, per million depends on how our heavy that soil. soil. is. Exactly. Yeah. But I want a minimum of 4% base saturation K. Magnesium, 12 to 20% is usually what I'm looking for there. And sulfur, ideally, I'd like to have 50 parts per million.
0: All right, we'll be right back after this.
2: My mom's got a new case I-Extractor, and it can do it
0: all. Bale hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And... It can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
2: When we told growers that New Bear Premium TriVold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um... We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with TriVolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and TriVolt worked. See for yourself at TriVoltInAction.com. TriVolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but Net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on armyworms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day Thursday, July 27th.
2: Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com.
0: back you're listening to ag phd radio on a farmer friday taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD and just before the break we were going through an email that came in from dylan he's doing a summer internship project over in iowa working for a seed company there and he was asking about how many parts per million we need on different nutrients and uh, one thing that i thought would be interesting dylan would be if you're working for a seed company, go out to some of your best and highest yielding customers and pull a sample from their best parts of their best fields and see what the numbers are. I think that would be really interesting to maybe you get your top 10 customers and say, "Okay, I just want to pull one soil sample in the best part of your best ground and then compare and see what kind of range those nutrients are in and which ones are more important than others and and which levels tended to yield to more uh, or tended to lead to more 300 bushel corn, which I'm guessing where you're at in Iowa, you got some guys that are hitting 300 in some parts of their fields.
1: Yeah. So it's a really tough question because it matters so much if you have heavy or light soil. And then you also have to look at just some of the other things that may possibly be considerations. A manure management plan, for example, is there an upper limit to that? Do we have to place our fertility deep because of the manure management plan? And because, oh, top six inches, we have a limit down a little deeper, not so much. I mean, there's really a lot that goes into it. So it's hard to just say, all right, well, what do you guys want for for part per million levels on all these things? Because like with phosphorus, for example, the ratios of phosphorus to zinc and phosphorus to copper are unbelievably important. So if you're only going to address phosphorus and you're going to forget about zinc and copper, oh, we did that 20 years ago, screwed stuff up. Well, we didn't really screw it up. We just didn't get as much yield gain as we should have had because we didn't know. So you'd never want to look just at four nutrients like you were asking. You want to look at everything.
0: All right. Thanks for the question, Dylan. Good luck to you on your summer internship. That sounds like you're going to have some fun down there and and you got quite a project on your hands. Let's head back to the phone lines got Dean on uh, from down in Mississippi hey you doing Dean
6: Doing all right how about you guys
0: pretty good what's on your mind today
6: oh just maintenance work trying got everything laid by so we're working towards starting to think about harvest. I guess thinking about harvest you're you're always on to the next big thing right so yeah
0: yeah for sure you, you know when you get all that
6: transmission light- fluid in a tractor and there you go
0: there you go, you got the lay-by done, so you, you got the big bill out of the way with the nitrogen, I'm assuming. Right. What, did, what did you guys right. do? How much did you put on, and and how do you figure out what you use?
6: Uh, Ended up with, well, you know, urea was cheaper, so we ended up, and we had a bunch of cover crop that got away from us, so we ended up running a whole bunch of dry urea on, to get on top of it, and, and got a nice, neat little three- three-tenths rain right behind the spreader truck and then a the seven-tenths the next day and uh, come out of that deal smelling like a rose for yeah. a behind we we absolutely felt like we really kind of won with that one so saved a little bit of money on her well the what we saved on fertilizer the spreading made up for the spreading so it didn't cost us anymore at least and it was a whole lot more time efficient but anyhow so got some horn just rocking and rolling about shoulder high and enthused, yeah, enthused yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, that is fun. That is a fun time of year. Now, do you guys do uh, a foliar fungicide after tassel or sometime around tassel or what, what's kind of the common practice down in your part of Mississippi?
6: Um, Depends on the weather. If we get a hurricane in the Gulf right at, right at tassel, we will. We'll go ahead and fly fungicide on because those hurricanes bring we we get we get uh we get southern rough and everything up in here really bad right behind a hurricane or tropical depression any big wind event moving up out of the gulf we we always jump in front of that with a fungicide if it's all calm and quiet down there we won't we'll save our money because in the past i haven't seen any real yield gains just delayed harvest is really about all we get out of it usually so Interesting. Um, It'll put harvest out two weeks, usually, it seems like. And just not, I mean, if you're struggling to get around, um, you know, that delayed harvest can be a good thing. And maybe you'll see some yield there from that. But if you're on top of it, there's yeah, usually not very much yield to be seen with it. What do you seem like?
0: Let me ask you a question here, Brian. Uh, when he talks about, when Dean talks about the delayed harvest of the fungicide app, what if you take the strobe out? Would you still see much of that, or is it no. still? Yeah, I, I was thinking that too, Dean. One one thing that we've seen there really hasn't been a great two mode of action option uh, until Lucento, really, where you've got a triazole fungicide and an SDHI, but you don't have the strabilurin in there. And that, I mean, you could maybe make a uh, a product like that by combining two different things but uh, that's what I'd look at is maybe try some of that as a fungicide option if if you're worried about the delayed harvesting just to, to mix things up a little bit and see like you say if it's not giving you huge gains then uh, I guess it's nothing too exciting anyway but if you did end up doing some fungicide I'd be curious to see how Lucento would do or pulse
1: or... pulse would be another option oh, yeah. too there you so go. you got a triazole and an SDHI no strobe
6: Pulse and Lucento. Yep. Yep.
1: Propulse. Yep. Propulse from Bayer, Lucento from FMC.
6: Okay. I just, I'll have to look into them and, and try. Yeah, we haven't. We just, we've struggled to see any yield gain from it. I don't know. Um, Just seems like we don't usually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I know there's a lot that goes into that fungicide app. Like you say, on heavy disease years, sure, it's a no-brainer, but who knows if it's going to be that or not. Um, You know, the other couple things on those those fungicides, and I know we haven't always had great luck with them either. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is going to add a ton to you every time, but... Um, getting, getting good coverage has been something too. It's been a little bit of a challenge because a lot of the aerial app, I mean, they can't carry 10 gallons of water up there. So they're doing the best they can. And for the most part, they do a pretty good job, but it does vary, uh, depending on the speed you're running and nozzles you're using and that kind of thing, as far as how far down into the canopy they can push things. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, cool, yep. Dean. I'm glad to hear uh, lay-by's all done and and uh, not as excited about the maintenance jobs that I'll have to get done, but I guess that's part okay. of the game. So uh, nice chatting with you Thanks. today. Good luck to you here the rest of the season.
6: Yep, sounds good. You bet. Uh,
0: let's head down to Oklahoma. Got Jeff on with us right now, uh, who's probably in the same boat as we are with some uh, pretty dry conditions. What are they saying down in your country, Jeff? You got any rain in the forecast?
5: We've actually started getting some rain uh, here in the last uh, started about a month ago um, didn't save the crop but you know let we we've got had some cooler weathers and some moisture and it's it's helping it fill uh, worst worst wheat crop I've had in my career um, thing things have just been horrible with the drought you know started three years ago and just intensifying and so no subsoil moisture the the Uh, fall crop planting you know has been delayed (laughs) you know don't don't go out and plant plant corn and milo into into dry soils and and expect very good results and so uh getting getting some rains now more called for through the weekend and and tonight so finally starting to to break the the drought cycle and and start building some subsoil moistures in the area
0: yeah, I've been watching the the disease updates coming from Oklahoma State, and they they said they've had some big-time issues on some of the wheat. How, how about you? How have you held up, and how far from harvest are you?
5: So we're about two weeks out from harvest at this point, and uh, we're starting to see some disease. But, you know, on 15-bushel wheat, how much do you want to spend on it? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I get you. I get you on that. Yeah, we run into you know, that in South Dakota sometimes, too
5: right you know we're, we're not looking at uh you know the the typical you know 70 80 90 bushel wheat that i typically harvest this year and uh and so you know we're looking at some pretty poor crops there's been a lot of acres released down here by crop insurance um you know the the general consensus with the guys is is you know at this point if it if it uh, appraises at five and above they have to cut it uh due, due to equipment costs and everything but it's it's going to be a time-consuming, very short wheat crop. Um, repair bills are probably going to go through the roof on, on the machines trying to cut this ultra ultra short crop. And we have, we have a lot of terraced land. And so, you know, 40, 45-foot uh, wide headers and terraces is on 15-inch tall wheat is not going to be pleasant.
0: No, no, that sounds like a challenge. Well, Jeff, good luck to you guys. Hopefully, uh, the moisture you're getting now sets you up for success with the next crop. Stay tuned.
1: Nitrogen is a mysterious nutrient. We are never sure if we have enough, too much, or even if the nitrogen we applied is still there when the plant needs it. With 360 Y-Job, you can provide just the right amount of nitrogen when and where you need it. A mid-season application lets you resupply lost nitrogen or lower your rates to get a maximum efficiency while maintaining yield potential. Put more efficiency and flexibility in your nitrogen program with 360 y Drop.
2: What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a -a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
0: At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com.
1: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Martin studio today, and it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. That's what Gordon did. He's calling in from Michigan. Hey, Gordon,
7: how are you today? Pretty good. Excellent. I think we're experiencing some of South Dakota's weather it's- Dry and hot. <laughs> no, no rain. We haven't had rain since April, I think. Um, I applied some prowl okay. uh, about 18 to 20 days ago, All right. along with some glyphosate on some fields that were destined for pea production. Yep. We don't get to uh, plant the peas when we want. Until it's dictated by the processor.
1: Oh, okay. And
7: we've just planted them here in the last three or four days. It's been a challenge to find moisture at seed depth. But yep. I'm just curious, do you think any of that prowl was still around to Yes. Do you have any uh, assistance with the weed control?
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. So, did you till it in eventually, or you just no, left it? No, we, we didn't top.
7: until, okay. we, yeah, we just left it on top until we just a day before we planted, you know, trying to conserve soil moisture. We didn't want to take a chance on uh, drying the fields out right. any more than they were, were already.
1: But you did at that point then till it. So, roughly, let's yeah. call it yeah, they, two and a half weeks after you put the prowl on the soil surface, then you tilled it in. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I, I mean, it's still going to work. Did you lose a little bit? Sure, but not much. I mean, I would guess you've okay. got 80, 90% of it still there. And the the problem here with any pre is it's going to take at least a little bit of soil moisture to get activated. If you haven't had rain in a month and a half or whatever it's been, um, it's it's not going to work as good as it would if you would just get a decent rain. But let's put it this way, there's still a whole bunch of prowl there. And when you do get rain, it's going to kick in. So we've run into this so many times over the years. And Gordon, I'll just tell you, what you're probably, unfortunately, going to see is you might have some weeds coming through here for a little while. Then it's probably going to start raining at some point, like it usually does. And then after that, you're going to go, oh, boy, I don't have any weeds coming back here for a while. So so it's going to work eventually, just maybe not not necessarily when you want.
7: Yeah. Uh, I had a second question, too. Yep. I, I On my soybeans, I do have some volunteer corn, and um, yep. I'd like to use clefidim on it. Sure. I think I've heard you folks speak of some egg- antagonism between Clefidem and maybe some of the other herbicides, and I wonder if just glyphosate and Clefidem would be an issue or not.
1: No. No, those two really aren't any issue. The only thing that I will tell you is clefidim is not as strong on volunteer corn as Fusillade or a sure two. Now I'm not going to say it's horrible, but you don't want to get too chintzy on the rate. And I, I just sent something out. I. Uh, to a bunch of agronomists yesterday talking about volunteer corn control and one of the things that I said to them is hey if you spray early you can do about whatever you want you'll probably kill volunteer corn if it's two inches four inches tall but when it starts getting bigger at that point then you're probably going to have to throw crop oil in you're going to have to up the rate of the volunteer corn killer so I was just making the comment hey stuff's growing fast because it's warm this year so don't get behind on your volunteer corn it's just a lot tougher to kill
7: later on right yeah the the beans are just poking through and the The corn might be two or three inches tall. tall. You're fine. Uh, So far, we don't have any weeds that are glyphosate resistant except for maybe yellow nutsedge. But um, so I, I thought I'd just Eventually, I want to add more than just the glyphosate, but yeah, uh, yeah and get full benefit, I thought I would just go with those two.
1: I'm, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the nutsedge. What we find is it's not really resistant to Roundup. It's just it's very hard to get Roundup into that plant because it, okay. it's such a waxy leaf. It, it just doesn't absorb... The glyphosate like a lot of other weeds would. So what, where we've had some success with that is, I mean certainly you can use another product like Basagran or if it was corn latic um, or maybe in, uh, or maybe some permit or something like that. Dual down does okay, but where we've had success with Roundup is we've gone, when we've gone with really low rates of water and really high rates of Roundup and then it's worked just fine. So I mean it is it is a tougher weed. <laughs> and and the other thing that I'll tell you is it's usually in those low areas. So uh, like in our farm, as we've done more tiling over the years, we've kinda gotten rid of a lot of our nut sedge problems. So anyway, just a few things uh, for you there.
7: What rate of the original glyphosate would you would you use, Brian? Well, if I, I would use
1: the maximum labeled rate. So for old okay. four pound yeah. glyphosate, that was two quarts. And so then, okay. yeah, it all depends yeah. on which version you're using now. And yeah. in terms of water volume, I mean, we went clear down to five gallons and I know that's going to sound okay. crazy to most people, but if you're spraying fairly early, um, it, it's no big deal. You'll, you'll be fine. But yeah, we don't normally recommend that, but boy, for that nutsedge, when we went down to a much lower water rate worked a lot better. Yeah.
7: Um, Were you adding any surfactant? Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. You want to add a little surfactant, too, like a quart per hundred of non ionic surfactant or something like that. Yep. Yep. Now, what
7: if you were adding dual atrazine and uh, callisto? Is that an issue? No. As far as the uh, additional surfactant?
1: Uh, no, no, that's absolutely not going to hurt anything. I mean, if you have Callisto in there, you might want to go crop oil instead of non-ionic. And when you have the crop oil in, that also does have some level of surfactant in there already. So you don't have to worry about having surfactant. You've kind of got it when
7: you have the crop oil. Okay. All right. Boy, I got the full benefit of my phone call, didn't I? I got all kinds of questions answered. <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh,
1: good luck to you over there, Gordon. Thanks a lot for calling in, and uh, hopefully get some rain here sometime soon.
7: Okay. Thank you. You too, Brian. Thank yep. you. Yep. Bye. Appreciate it.
0: Let's head down to Kentucky. We've got Matt down with us right now. Matt, thanks for joining us.
8: Yeah, thank you. All.
0: So what's good happening happy. down on call your farm in today?
8: Uh, well, we've finished up our or seeding for the year, and uh, everything's up pretty good. Corn's, you know, V3, V4 stage, and uh, soybeans have got a couple trifoliates on them. So everything looks pretty good. It's it's starting to get dry. We haven't had any rain for about a week or so, and looks like for the next 10 days, we've got minimal chance. So we're uh, keeping our fingers crossed that we don't get too much of a, a ding on our yield this fall from the dry spell we're having. But uh, so far, it all looks good.
0: Yeah, yeah, we feel your pain. Our, our crop looks pretty good right now, but man, we could sure use a drink too.
8: <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty widespread from what I'm hearing. So, but uh, like I say, we doing that. We just finished up our liquid nitrogen on our corn. Uh just got that put down this week. So, we bumped our rates up this year. Had a kind of been thinking the last couple of years maybe we were a little bit short on nitrogen and. and Got some advising service that we're working with, and they recommended we up the rate, so we uh, upped it quite a bit. I was gonna ask, I guess, or thought to ask while I was waiting here to talk to you. Uh, what, what, what is the guideline now? How many, you know, units of of nitrogen per bushel, or uh, you know, how? Are, what are people basing that off of now?
1: well the whole problem is what are we going to figure for organic matter mineralization how much nitrogen is already in the soil uh, how much loss are you going to have things like that so that that's the right. problem because some guys will say well I'm getting by on 0. 0.7 pounds of nitrogen no you're you're not you have yeah. nitrogen in your soil somehow some way yeah so yeah. yeah so that that's really hard to say I will tell you that each right. uh, bushel of corn needs 1.12 pounds of nitrogen Somehow, some way, it's got to okay. get 1.12 pounds of nitrogen. Okay, okay. But yeah, that yeah. soil organic matter, that's a big thing. Uh, so we usually figure right. 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen comes available for each 1% of organic matter each year. Well, if you're not figuring that in okay. and you have a lot of organic matter, I mean, you're way over applying. But by the same token, if you have almost no organic matter and no carryover in from the year before it's like ooh i i I might be a little short here
8: yeah yeah we're we're on the lower side of organic matter for sure in our area yep uh I wanted to say soil tests typically run in the range of around three percent two and a half three and okay. a half percent something like that sure I, uh, it's I not horrible but yeah. And, yep yeah yeah we're we're not the worst by any means no. but uh we don't have we don't have black dirt, <laughs> so, but uh, but like I said, we we upped our rate quite a bit. So we're and we've done some tests, putting out a few strips of our previous rate, and uh, also gone to a planter that uh, puts starter. We just we didn't really use a starter product. We just used the put UAM with the planter as well, rather than spraying yeah, on the and, top of the ground.
1: Yeah, and there are a lot of different ways to apply nitrogen. We'll probably talk a little more about nitrogen management right after this. Stay tuned, this is Ag PhD Radio.
0: At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com.
2: Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start, Start your, your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit Valen.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions
0: you won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is things free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th.
2: Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works over time for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: Learn on the job with the C&B Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers.
4: From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com.
1: Welcome back to AgPHD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio on a Farmer Friday. So, right before the break, we were just talking with uh, Matt from Kentucky about nitrogen management a little bit. So, I wanted to tell you what we're doing on our farm right now in our corn. I, I was just visiting with our people and I said, okay, first part of next week, it's time to do some nitrate tests. Our biggest corn's probably V5 and we got to know, hey, do we need some more nitrogen or do we not? So we're going to run out there and do, do nitrate tests. They cost five bucks each. So not very expensive. We'll probably pull, thir- we figured 30 to 35 tests on the farm. So not all that many. <laughs> when you when you stop and think about it, uh, last fall we pulled over 3,000 soil tests on our farm. We're only going to do 35. It might be a little more than that. It might be 50 or whatever. But anyway, it's not that many. But I said, okay, It's not that many tests, even if it is 50 times five bucks, it's 250 bucks. I said, I also want to get zero to 12 and 12 to, in addition to zero to 12, I want 12 to 24 because we have pretty heavy soil in the zero to 12. I'm going to count on almost a hundred percent of that nitrogen being there when my crop needs it, which is going to be very soon, by the way, we'll talk about that in a second. But then the 12 to 24, I'm going to figure most of that's still going to be there. I don't know how much everybody can make their own estimate. Because my soil is so heavy and because we're bone dry and I'm the odds of ha- us having enough moisture to leach away our nitrogen, I'd say are unbelievably slim. So I'm this year, in a normal year I might count on 70, 80% of that. This year I might count on 90% of that or more. that's in that 12 to 24 inch range. Okay, here are the other things that we want to look at. Oh, so so that basically tells us how much do we have right now. Next thing I want to look at is at my old soil test saying, well, how much organic matter do I have? And what's my estimate on how much will come available over the course of the growing season? On average on our farm, we're probably at, let's call it 4% organic matter. It might be hair high, but it's fairly close. So 4% during the, the whole growing season, I'm going to get 80 to 120 pounds, somewhere in that range. Uh, not much of that has probably come available yet. Let's call it 5 or 10 pounds. Let's call it 10 pounds. So I got 70 to 110 pounds is going to come available during the course of the the summer. Then I look at how much nitrogen do I really need? And this is the big question, and it's so up for debate because, quite frankly, a lot of people in our area right now are like, oh, I give up. It's not raining. It's a disaster. And I go, your corn's at V3. What are you talking about? You're fine. Everything's fine today. The corn's rooting down. It's okay. I realize you might have a couple little spots on the farm that don't look good in our area. I'm just talking our area, okay? I'm not saying your farm, you you might be in a whole, totally different situation. But I'm just saying around here, for the guys that are V3 to V5, we've got time. And chances are very high we're going to get rain like we usually do. We've had Corn rolled up in June each of the last two years from, oh, it's too dry. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, we go, oh, I guess things weren't that bad. We averaged 225 bushel corn. So I guess it wasn't a disaster. Anyway, coming back to this nitrogen thing, how much do I need? It's going to vary by the area in the field. So ideally, we'd love to have you do variable rate nitrogen. I mean, we have some spots on our farm, I'm very confident this year are going to hit 300. Unfortunately, we also have some spots that might only be 150. Maybe 125, depending on how bad this, uh, this drought ends up being, because we have some fairly sandy spots, not fields, spots. Okay, you see where I'm going with this. It can really vary. The other thing we have to look at is what percent of my nitrogen is still needed. So let me give you the stats here. In a corn plant, by V9, it's used up 25% of its nitrogen. So in other words, we have 75% to go. That's a V9 by v13 it's used half the nitrogen so think about this it only takes um i'm trying to think about when you get to about v9 v10 somewhere in that range it's only about 50 growing degree days per leaf stage so you're going to go from v9 to v13 where you need 25 percent of your corn's nitrogen in a week or less that is a huge dose that you need there so do not be late but anyway, from uh, V13 to about silking, that's when you need the next 25%, Then the last 25% is after silking. So when we're testing right now out in our fields, we're V5. we got a long ways to go. We need, That crop still needs like 90% of its nitrogen. So what I'm saying here is... If I go, oh, I only have 50 pounds of nitrogen sitting out in the field, and I think I'm going to get another 70 coming available from my organic matter, 120 pounds, um, that's not going to cut it if I need 90% yet for 250 bushel corn. All right? Anyway, then the last thing that I would keep in mind is how much loss am I going to have? So if you have light soil, it's going to be whole different than if you have heavy soil. And if you're in an area that gets lots of rain... I mean, I kind of envy you a little bit because I wish I had a lot more rain than we normally get, but we're in a dry area, dry this year, dry most years. We just don't get a whole lot of moisture. So it's whole different in terms of loss, all depending on your situation. So those are the things that you got to kind of keep in mind. On our farm, I am quite frankly not expecting that we're going to have to put much nitrogen out here mid-season, but we'll see what the tests show, and we'll talk about those results after we get them probably in another week to 10 days. All right, back to the mailbag there, Darren.
0: Okay, Uh, this one came in from Brett. He said, guys, you uh, did a replant episode recently, and your timing was spot on. We got four inches of rain in one shot, and it seemed like uh, we had much pea-sized hail during 45 minutes of that. So we're going to have to replant 150 acres of beans with another 350 or so that are pretty beat up, but not really reduced under 90,000 populations, so we'll probably leave those. Uh, again, an adjuster coming out, and, and we'll get some better measurements, too. The corn was about V4, so theoretically, it should grow out of it. It looks pretty rough, and he sent a picture of it. looks like Oh, that. I'm sure, yeah.
1: yeah well, actually, don't feel too bad. We've had stuff look worse than that. But, yes, your V4
0: corn should be fine. All right, so his questions. Uh, what additional management should the corn need? He's planning on a fungicide uh, and herbicide when it dries out enough next week. Do you recommend one kind of fungicide over another? And just wondering, should we wait with our herbicide plan or change it since it's going to take us longer for canopy? We have Harness down. And we're coming back with Acuron GT and Atrazine was our plan.
1: Okay. Well, your Acuron GT's got more dual in it or more group 15 in it. So, no, I don't think I'd change my herbicide plan. And in terms of fungicide, just make sure you have a strobe in there. That's a strobilurin fungicide. That's more for the plant health beyond just the disease control. So, you're, you're doing the right things. There isn't a whole lot extra you need to do, if anything, after hail. What we've shown a lot of times is... Well, I shouldn't say a lot of times. Sometimes uh, the fungicide doesn't pay. Sometimes it does. If Even if it doesn't pay, your plant is going to look a lot better because when it gets beat up like that, it's most likely going to get disease at some point. So you want to protect it. You want to have it looking better. You want a little bit better standability come harvest time. All those things uh, will improve when you get that fungicide out there, especially containing a strobe. But yeah, don't, don't, don't feel too bad. It's happened to all of us. And unfortunately it's probably going to happen again at some point. You don't need to be emotional about it or anything else. It's just one of those things. It's the way it goes. Just got to keep moving on
0: and your V4 corn should be just fine. All right. Thanks for the question. And sorry you got the hail. Uh, get this one that came in from Jim down in Nebraska. He said, guys, I've farmed here over the last 50 years, and I just wanted to comment about a magazine article you wrote in the Ag PhD Insider uh, about spraying ditches and non-crop areas. And I think there are a lot of birds out there in Nebraska and probably where you guys are in South Dakota, too, that rely on ditches uh, and non-crop areas for nesting and habitat and I don't think we need to kill all the weeds in those areas, especially milkweeds. We hear a lot of talk about the monarch butterflies that they need those milkweeds. Maybe that's where we leave them. Also, uh, we need the bees for reproduction of orchards, flowers, and so forth. So killing bugs in the ditch can be a little dangerous too. So just curious, I I think you guys might want to change your thinking on that or at least put that out there for everyone else to consider.
1: Well, uh, first of all, we appreciate the comments Um, we don't feel that spraying in ditches is hurting bees or birds. In terms of the nesting, we're actually going to have better grass in there. I would think it's almost going to be better. But in terms of bees the only way we're going to have any real bee issue is if we've got lots of flowers so and stuff are out in there bloom, right yes. so we want to get out there early before that's the case and the big thing is we're trying to prevent these weeds and bugs from moving into our field well then we have to spray all kinds of stuff so we're actually in a lot of cases reducing spraying by hitting the ditch before it spreads across the field and i got to spray whole fields and lots more acres lots more dollars
0: lots more pesticide Great thought, great discussion there, Uh, so thanks for sending that in. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.